Hello, welcome to CultureCast. This is Dan Del Monte. Um, I'm a philosophy professor in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I uh, also am a writer. Uh, the novel um, "The Thermal Possibility" um, is my first novel, and I'm working on this podcast and uh, just sharing some uh, reflections on current events, current controversies, current. Um, uh, Debates that have a theoretical dimension that I like to probe into and, and um, share with everybody. And the article that struck me today is an article on um, a site called LifeSite News. It's a Catholic publication. And it's an article uh, on the issue of taking communion on the hand or the tongue. All right, so for those of you who aren't Catholic, just a quick rundown. Um, part of the Catholic Mass um, is um, you receive the body of Christ. Okay, so um, we believe that Christ came to earth and uh, said, you know, before his uh, death that we should uh, eat his body and drink his blood. Um, And the church was established where a priest could consecrate a host. So it's a small wafer of unleavened bread. The priest, and this goes back to Jewish traditions of, of Passover. So there's a parallelism and a evolution from uh, Passover. But anyway, the idea is the priest has the, has the ability, since the priest is acting in the person of Christ, to consecrate the wafer so that it transubstantiates, it changes its substance, it becomes literally a uh, the body of Christ. Okay, so we, so we at the end of um, the Mass, we f- go in line and receive the body of Christ. As a, it's a spiritual um, nourishment meant to purify our souls and help us to remain virtuous and um, strong in our spiritual uh, co- commitments and, and the spiritual battle. All right, so... And there has to be a certain ceremony in the way you receive the Eucharist. Uh, you know, it's another name for it, the way you receive communion. The way, the way you receive this body of Christ. It can't just be something that's casual, uh, because it is the body of Christ, it's, it's God himself. And so, um, you know, we, we are prayerful, we bow, but then there is this big change in Vatican II. Okay, Vatican II was this major um, revolution in the church. It was a big council where um, these prestigious church prelates from around the world had this ongoing conversation over the course of a few years in the 60s where they decided to, to um, issue some new documents. So there's certain famous documents. Um, uh, Dignitatis Humanae. Nostra Atete. Okay, um, these uh, conciliar documents, but also uh, a new kind of liturgy. Liturgy, liturgy meaning the structure of the Mass. Uh, the Mass where we go celebrate and worship in church uh, was completely changed. All right, so we went from the traditional Mass to the Novus Ordo. Okay. The New Order, Latin for New Order, 
and it completely changed. It went into the vernacular. So now we have mass not in Latin anymore, but in uh, the local language. So here in America, it would be English. If you go to Spain, it's in Spanish. If you go to China, it's in Chinese. Okay, no longer Latin. Um, and another change was that you had the option to receive the host on your on your hand. Okay, so you have to make your hands into a throne. Okay, um, you, you put your left hand above your, your right hand like a throne, and then you pick up the host with your right hand and put it in your mouth. Okay, you can also receive it on your tongue. That's, that's an option. And some people still do that. They, they will stick out their tongue and the priest will place the host on the tongue, okay? And um, this may seem trivial, but remember, this is a very um, sacred rite, uh, the doctrine of transubstantiation. So trans meaning change, substance meaning the, the core of something. It's not just an attribute, it's the substance of it. Okay, so like a, an apple is red. That's an attribute. Um, you can change the color of something without changing its substance. We're talking about a substantial change where it's changing through the action of the priest in a miraculous manner into the body of Christ. Same thing with the wine, which is the, becomes the blood of Christ. Okay? And the idea is, okay, Vatican II says that now you can receive communion on the hand. Okay? You may think, well, this is you know, kind of trivial. You receive it on the hand or on the mouth. Who cares? All right. But before the church had been uh, having people receive it only on the tongue. All right? And so my question is, if it's so trivial, why would the why would uh, the Vatican II uh, church, these bishops and popes and uh, the bishop and the pope and the, and, the car- and the cardinals, there's only one pope, why would they change this? Okay, so what was the reason for the change? Was it hygiene or it's like a, it's a not good, not good hygiene for the priest to put the host on the mouth, on the tongue of a repeated line of people? Is that why it's um, a, uh, you know, something that they, that, is, that, is, that, is that the reason for the change? Or was there some other reason? All right, so there are um, theories. People are talking. This is a new hot topic in certain circles. And they're saying that um, Vatican II is not from God. There were a series of changes. Okay. Um, in some of these documents, uh, a new ecumenism, where ecumenism is this, you know, desire to reach out to other religions. And it's almost like in Vatican II, it shifted from the Catholic faith being the one true faith to this idea that all religions are basically good and they're all equally valid paths to God. So all religions are basically equally valid paths to God. You can become a Muslim, you can become a Hindu, and they're all beautiful and they're all 
paths to God. Okay, so even though they don't believe in Jesus, Jesus Christ, um, they still are, are good. And if you're a Buddhist, you don't believe in God, maybe, but you can achieve liberation through these practices of uh, self-denial. Okay, that's one of them. Um, so, but also the big liturgical changes with receiving communion on the hand, and now that's become like the norm. Um, where most people in America receive the communion with the Eucharist on the hand. Okay. Um, and now with this coronavirus, some churches are saying no more communion on the tongue. It's not, it's not hygienic. We're going to, we're going to, um, spread the virus through this practice. All right. But there is some talk. There was a shift in Vatican II in the new ecumenism, but also um, some people thought that uh, there were sinister forces at work. People who had infiltrated the church, people of different persuasions, people who are perhaps Freemasons. Okay, this uh, uh, movement that believes that we're all brothers and we have the same father. So God is our father, we're all brothers. And therefore, uh, religious differences in terms of their doctrine don't really matter. We're all children of the same father. So if you're a Muslim and I'm a Jew and that person's a Catholic, we're all brothers. We're all the same father. Okay, that the, the, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. And they try to have a rational faith, okay, where it's just, there's just this... Um, divine architect. We can know this God through reason alone, and we don't have any kind of special revelation where like, we have this idea that God became incarnate and uh, revealed himself in this special experience. No, we just have a rational knowledge that um, the world could not have arisen by itself. There was a higher power that created it, and we believe this through our reason Okay. And um, we're really unequal to, to all other people as children of this one divine architect. Okay. And the Freemasons um, not only have this belief in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. So fatherhood of God, there's this divine architect, not necessarily um, tied to a certain figure like Jesus Christ or Muhammad, Moses. No, it's just this, this rational principle um, that there's, a, there's a, a primary being, a higher being, and uh, we're all children of this being, okay? Um, but it's also a secret society where you, they have special initiation rites and special handshakes where they know who's in it and who's not, okay? And uh, they're also quite powerful, and they have persecuted the church, okay? So in France in the French Revolution. Freemasons were responsible for persecuting the church. They, they were trying to transform their society, overthrow this aristocratic establishment, and they included in this establishment the Catholic Church, and they had a bloody revolution. Just, so Freemasons um, 
many presidents have been Freemasons. Um, you find all these powerful people. Walt Disney, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, the founding fathers are tied to this Freemasonic organization. And the theory is that some of these guys with their, so it's a secret society of all men and it's like a good old boys club where once you get in, you can't tell anyone what you do. You have a, you have a special oath and some people say that they actually worship the devil. All right. Um, where they have all these secret rights and it, it leads you higher and higher up um, to the worship of, of Lucifer. Uh, so um, using your own reason, uh, it's like, so like Lucifer in the Garden of Eden tells Adam and Eve that if they eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge, they'll become like gods. So using your own reason, not just obediently accepting this doctrine that's not based on reason. So the idea that God became man, we don't arrive at that truth through reason, but through revelation. All right, but the idea that there is a God, period, that there's this first being, you know, some argue that we can, we can reason our way to this first principle. All right, so uh, some say that these Freemasons, which are possibly this sinister organization that it, you know as you go up into the higher levels you find that they're interested in power and also worshiping the devil okay um they infiltrated the catholic church they had the means to get in to these high positions not just not just the parish priest but a bishop a cardinal a pope and they got in and they created they pushed for vatican II. um and they created the Novus Ordo liturgy, which changed everything, made it more casual, okay? made it more like a Protestant service, okay? where uh, now you have uh, casual singing, you have guitars, you have the priest facing the, the, the church. The priest used to face the back of the church, okay? the, to face the altar. You'd, you'd, see, you'd see the back of the priest the priest would be praying, and you see the back of the priest. But in the Novus Ordo, the priest turns around. Sometimes the priest will walk down amidst the congregation. Okay, so... And then you have this other change of communion on the hand. Okay, so... The theory is, there was an infiltration. This is not from God. Okay, there are people who didn't really believe the Catholic faith... They got into the church and they undermined it from within. And the idea was to get people to stop revering the uh, priest and the Eucharist. How do you do that? Well, you allow them to receive it on the hand, just like normal food. When we eat, we use our hands. Of course, we use utensils, but we feed ourselves with our hands. We have power over the food. Now, if you have a child, you feed it with your hands. Okay, you, you spoon feed the child. Okay, and or if you're like at a wedding, uh, a wedding reception where the bride and the groom will feed each other 
with a, with a spoon. They'll, 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 they'll feed cake to one another. And it's a loving gesture. So there's a symbolism in receiving something with your mouth. Okay, so it's like a, like a child who is dependent. And we're going to God on whom we, we utterly depend. And we're going to the priest who may not be perfect, um, but is ordained to act in the person of Christ. The priest can consecrate the host. He can forgive sins. He's acting on behalf of Christ. Okay, and so that's what receiving communion on the tongue meant. Now we had this infiltration where these guys came in and said, uh-uh, let's just uh, allow the faithful to receive the communion on the hand and we're going to pretend like it's no, it's no big deal or we're being more open and we're going to be more laid back and people are going to be, to be drawn to the church. But what happened, it, was, it has not worked at all. It has not brought more people to the church. The church is hemorrhaging members. So Vatican II and the Novus Ordo Mass have been a disaster. And maybe there are other factors for this decline in attendance. But um, the fact is that um, ever, since, ever since Vatican II, there's been this drop-off. So there's like six people who leave for every one person converted. Okay, that's not going, going in, the, in the right direction, to say the least. All right, so some people say, let's get more progressive, uh, married priests, um, you know, even, even more casual mass. You know, people chanting like more like a Protestant mass where you have people like chanting and, and shouting out in, in tongues and waving their arms back and forth. Okay, and other people say no. Um, we need to go back, get rid of Vatican II, go back to the Latin, um, go you know stick with the celibate priest, and go back to communion on the tongue, where that's required. You can't receive it on the on the hand. If you do, you're going to be in big, in big trouble. It's sacrilegious. That's the way it used to be. Okay? So, there's this big debate going on. And I found it interesting that this, this, this um, priest was defending communion on the hand. And he brought up these um, other philosophies. And he said that those who take communion on the tongue, okay, these people, these, these traditionalists who want to take communion on the tongue, it's still permitted, but it's become like the exception rather than the, rather than the norm. You can still do it. Um, he says that this practice is both Gnostic and Calvinistic. Okay. Now, so Gnosticism, what is this? This, this, is, this is a, a heresy the church condemned. This is a dualistic belief where you have the belief that there's matter and spirit in the world. Reality is made up of matter and spirit, okay? Matter is evil, spirit is good. Okay, so you have like this dualistic world where there is um, uh, uh, matter, physical stuff, 
our bodies. It's made by a lesser God who is evil. And we have spirits, our, our souls, our minds, our thoughts. And that is good. Okay? So why is this a heresy? Well, first of all, the Christian belief is that God also created matter. And matter is also good. Okay, so in the book of Genesis, it says, God saw how good it was. Okay? But Gnosticism is the view that that matter was made by another god, and that matter is evil. Okay? So, um, now why would the priest say that this Gnostic philosophy ties into communion on the tongue? Well... The answer is that he thinks that um, we're kind of showing that our bodies are, are dirty. We can't receive it on our hands because we're, our bodies are just um, corrupt, like the Gnostics believed. Okay? So uh, he's, he's making a fair point. I mean, this is something that has to be dealt with. I don't think this article, which I'm going to link, it's written by this guy, um, Peter. And his name is very hard to pronounce. Peter. Uh, Kwasniewski. He has a PhD. He's a, he's a Thomistic theologian. Okay, so this is a heavy hitter, but he doesn't really address this, these points. Um, is communion on the tongue Gnostic? Is it implying that the body is evil? Okay, so Gnostics, Gnostics believe that Jesus Christ never became a man. He is wholly spiritual. Okay? And that the spiritual God is impersonal and incomprehensible. Okay? So they're saying that God is this distant, um, impersonal being. He never became a man. We can't really relate to this God because he's so far above us. We are these hybrid creatures who have spirit and body. We can't really understand the spiritual God. Okay? So, um, this priest is saying, hey, um, why are you so against communion on the hand? You must be agnostic, saying that our bodies are, are evil. Okay? Um, you know, it's a fair point. Okay, so the agnostics believe that salvation comes by freeing our souls from our bodies. Okay, getting this divine spark out of our bodies, okay? Um, but but our bodies are, are good. So why would it be wrong to receive even something as holy as the Eucharist on our hands? Okay, now you could challenge the priest and say like, well, if our bodies are good, why can't we just like, um, um, you know, hold the Eucharist in our fist and... Um, walk it back to the pew and then pop it into our mouth like a cracker. So, so I mean, is that the logical conclusion? Our bodies are perfectly good. Um, that's a possible objection. Okay. Um, and notice how I talked about the, 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 the Freemasons 
and how they want to erase differences between religions, that no religion is better than another. Where you have certain Protestant services where they do have communion, but they don't believe that it really becomes the body of Christ. So it's just just a a memorial. You're just sharing of this loaf of bread um, to remember the Last Supper. So Jesus Christ had celebrated a Last Supper with his apostles, and um, we're just partaking of bread together to remember um, him. And it doesn't become uh, transubstantiated. Okay, so um, now in the Catholic Mass, with communion on the hand, it seems more casual, it seems more Protestant. But is it Gnostic? And Kwasniewski doesn't really address this. The next charge of this priest, to whom Kwasniewski is responding, is that communion on the tongue is Calvinistic. It's an example of Calvinism. Calvin was a 16th century Protestant reformer. These are former Catholics who challenged the Catholic Church and created a uh, new religion. Okay, so Calvin was someone who had a problem with the Catholic view on free will. Okay? That the idea that um, we participate in our salvation. We have help from God, but it's also our choices and our exercise of our free will that allows us to go to heaven. Calvin thought that God is absolutely sovereign, that only God has the power to save us. And if he chooses to save us, we will be saved. Okay, we can't resist God. So if we have free will, we can say no to God. We can resist God. Okay, we cooperate with God. But Calvin says, if God wills that you to be saved, okay, you, um, you cannot resist. Okay. Um, and by the same token, if God does not will you to be saved, since God is absolutely sovereign, you can't get to heaven by your own power. So you're going to go do all these good works by your own power. No, you can't because you, you, ha- you don't have free will. You're, you're a sinner. You're going to be um, consumed by sin. All right. So Calvin believes in this doctrine of salvation by grace alone. Solo gratia, okay? And um, how does this tie in to communion on the tongue? So it's again the idea that by ourselves, we're just these impure sinners, okay? We can't really do anything to get to heaven. So the Catholic view is we can cooperate. So God is going to give us an offer of help. And then we use our free will to cooperate with God to save ourselves. But the Calvinistic view is that 
The only way you can get to heaven is through the power of God. If God leaves you alone, you're just going to be a sinner. You cannot resist your own sinful inclinations. God elects you, and if he elects you, then you are you are forced to go to heaven because you can't resist God because you have no free will. So again, it's the idea that you are impure. You are corrupt by yourself. So don't you dare touch God in the Eucharist with your hands. This is another point. It's Calvinistic. It's Gnostic. Because receiving communion on the tongue suggests that you're too impure as a bodily being to touch the, the host. Okay? So, um, now Kwasniewski says that this communion on the hand is uh, a push by the post-conciliar church. So it's only the post-1960s when this has been, become prevalent. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the church mandated communion on the tongue. But then all of a sudden, in Vatican II, they said, okay, you can do communion on the, the, the hand. And if it wasn't important, why did they change it? And is this desacralizing? Meaning, is it irreverent? And also, does this idea that it's irreverent fall into heresy, that we're just too corrupt? Okay, you know, we're basically good. That's what this priest is saying. We're basically good, and um, our bodies are good. We're made by God, um, and so we can receive the communion on, on the hand. All right. Um, so, Kwasniewski says that at baptism, the uh, the tongue is blessed in particular. So we get a special blessing at baptism, where the priest says. Um, He, he places salt on the tongue. Uh, this may be an older rite. Again, something changed after Vatican II. But it's a very beautiful rite where the priest uh, blesses some salt and uh, puts it on the tongue of the infant. And he says, um, Accipi sal sapientiae. Propitiatio sit tibi invitam aeternum. That's my attempt at Latin. Uh, it's received the salt of wisdom, may be propitious to you unto eternal life. Because the, the tongue is specially blessed at baptism. So Kwasniewski says, because of that, you should receive it on the tongue. Uh, our hands symbolize work. We work with our hands, but our mouths symbolize Thoughts, speech, and judgment. Okay, our, our mouths are the vehicle through which we communicate our soul. So our hands, we work with them. We, we use tools with, with our hands. Um, and, um, you know, the idea is that, you know, 
communion is supposed to be spiritual and it shouldn't go to the, to, to the hand, which is profane. We, we use it to um, work and, and handle money and handle food and handle dirts and we, uh, you know, we pick our nose or, or something. Uh, but, you know, we shouldn't be using our hands to receive the host. Okay? Um, Now, there's a key idea here. Uh, another Latin phrase is lex orendi, lex corendi. Okay, and this is where I think there's something to this whole argument. Lex orendi, lex corendi is a Latin phrase meaning as we pray, so we believe. Because the way we pray affects what we believe. Okay? So, if you go to Mass and you don't kneel, and you don't um, sit in silence. You, you, you're, you're irreverent. You walk in with flip-flops or sweatpants. Okay? That affects the way we believe. Okay? If you don't receive the Eucharist on the tongue in this special way, so, like, when we eat, we have a fork. Um, you know, we, we, we shovel the food into our mouths. Sometimes we even use our hands, like we're eating some chips. We shovel the food into our mouth with our, with our hands. All right? Um, the Eucharist is different. That's, the, that's God's body. That's God himself. We can't just take it with our hand and pop it into our mouth. And no one does that. Um, we have our hands in a throne, and it's very. We have we we bow, and we're, it's very reverent. Okay, so it's not like that bad where we like, you know, like uh, it's like going to get a snack. But the problem is that we're we're looking at the numbers here. The, the belief in the real presence, the belief that the 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 bread really becomes the body of Christ. It's called the doctrine of the real presence, the doctrine of transubstantiation, that that wafer becomes in its substance God himself. Belief in that has, has gone way down. Okay? What's the cause of that? Could it be this new practice of communion on the hand where Lex Arendi, the way we pray, lex curiendi, is affected the way we believe. Okay? I think there's something to that. Okay, maybe if we go back and, and make people, um, as they used to do, kneel on the altar rail and wait for the priest to come by and put it on their tongue. Okay, the priest does not have to touch the tongue. Okay, it doesn't have to be unhygienic. And really, the church has been doing this for hundreds of years. We, we need to be stopped being uh, germo, germophobes. Okay, uh, you know, I, I, it, it shouldn't be a problem in, in, term, in terms of hygiene. Okay, but there's something to this idea that you can train people through the way they 
position their bodies during mass to get it back into their heads that you know we're we're following God's will here in consecrating the host and believing that it's really God okay so um Jesus at the Last Supper said take this all of you and eat it this is my body okay uh so there's the basis for the idea that uh, the host is transubstantiated. Okay, this is my body. It's not just a memorial. It's not just uh, you know a piece of bread that we we partake in to remember. Okay, if you if you look at the Bible, it says that. It's the body of Christ. And there are other places where it says that. And the Bible alone is not the basis of our faith. Because Christ didn't create the Bible. He he established apostles. Okay. And a central figure in Peter, the first pope. That, that Christ established the church who spread the faith orally. So there's an oral tradition as well as the Bible, which came later. Okay, so um, that's a different topic uh, of, you know, certain Protestants will say, you know, we're more, we're, we're more biblical than, than the Catholics. Okay, um, but it's a strange way of thinking because the Bible is not the the only rule of faith. Okay, uh, because Christ did not transmit authority through the Bible initially; it was transmitted through the apostles. Okay, so so the the, the church is the deposit of the authority of Christ. So, anyway, there's something to this idea, Lex Arendi, Lex Crandi. I don't think Kwasniewski addressed this priest's um, problems about uh, Gnosticism and um, Calvinism. But it, you know, it is the case that the church mandated communion on the tongue for uh, centuries. And they also condemned these heresies. So I also don't think that um, communion on the tongue is automatically some kind of embrace of Gnosticism and Calvinism. It doesn't necessarily imply that. It, 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 it could flirt with those ideologies, but it may, you, you, you could say you need to reverence the Eucharist well, by showing this special sign of um, of uh, respect, without believing that your body is evil, 
or that you have no free will. Okay? But Kwasowski did not really go after that that argument, but I, I think it's there's there's a there's a, there's a hole there, right? So so this priest is saying, um, yeah, this is Gnosticism and, and um, Calvinism, but I don't think you, there's space there to say you must receive communion on the tongue. But we don't think your body's evil, and we don't think that you have no free will. Okay, this, this is just a special sign of reverence for a very special act of receiving God himself. Okay. So this is Dan Del Monte uh, signing off, and I'll talk to you later.